Hey, badasses, I'm Kelly Young. And I'm Stevie Stays Kirsch. And we're your hosts for the Badassery Life podcast, a podcast where we feature the stories of women that make us say, that's badass. Through this podcast, we want to lift others up and empower all women to own their badassery life. If you like what you hear, and we sure hope that you do, please subscribe and leave us a review. We'd also love it if you would join us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram at badassery underscore life. If there's a badass woman you know and you want us to know, email us at badassrelife at gmail.com. Yeah, we'd love to hear from you. All right, well, let's go ahead and get started with this episode because I'm super excited about it. As a beer lover, I'm even more excited about it. Um, But with each episode, you know, we hope to awaken the badass in you by bringing you stories of powerful, beautiful, bold women like this one. Uh, I just want to mention that she didn't bring us beer, but we're still going to go for it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. but but we know where the we know where the beer is. Yeah, (laughs) and she's still a badass. Yeah, yeah, a badass without beer today. But at least Lane making her feel bad. I know, I know. Right from jump, (laughs) she's like, "Damn it, I'm leaving right now." (laughs) Hi, Elise. So Elise Lane is the CEO and head brewer of Scarlet Lane Brewing Company. She's a Greencastle, Indiana native, having split her time between Putnam County in Indiana and Los Angeles, California as a child. Elise, can you tell us what's that about? Yeah, uh, so I had a very different childhood where there wasn't a lot of stability. And so my uh, biological mother uh, had a lot of substance abuse issues. And so my maternal grandparents here in Indiana would take care of me when we had some issues. So I spent a lot of time going back and forth between L.A. and uh, Putnam County, outside of Greencastle, went to North Putnam High School. Mm-hmm. But any time that I moved back and forth to LA, it was constantly a new house, a new part of the city, and finding it. It's hard to say friends. It was more allies, finding somebody that's going to have my back and kind of protect me. And so I'd quickly make those friends as fast as I could. And then I would know to quickly cut myself off from that, too. Mm-hmm. Well, we're glad that you landed here. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Well, and you also graduated from Butler University. Go dogs! Yes. <laughs> and you had a degree in marketing. Uh, you continued to live in Indiana working for a corporate insurer. I don't know. That's out of the realm for me, but... Yeah. She's like, yeah, we'll talk about that later. And then you moved to Oregon in 2007. And that's where you developed your passion for brewing. Yes, absolutely. Oregon really woke up a part of myself that I didn't even really know was there, or I just really kept hidden and didn't think I could pursue it for a long time. Was there kind of a magic of Oregon that kind of woke that up for you? I definitely think that there is a magic in Oregon that kind of just was freeing. I always thought that if I go to butler, then I have to make a certain amount of money and a certain amount of years and I need to wear high heels and I need to wear, like have this briefcase and have this certain life. And I needed to be a VP within five years at a large corporation. And I set these goals and I just wore myself down at a certain point. And the job I was doing was making everybody miserable and myself. Uh, I would find IT implementations for new acquisitions, new companies, and determine how to eliminate uh, employees. So I would travel all all over the country. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I'd travel all over the country, be there for anywhere from three weeks to two months, and just kind of live with these people. And then the last day, it's you're done, and we don't want to see you again. So it takes a toll. (laughs) Yeah, I bet. But I love the fact that you moved into brewing and then really loved that. Now people like seeing me. Yeah, right? (laughs) They're like, yeah, I am. But so I'm going to back us up, Stevie, because I know you're starting to jump. We were starting to jump into like right away getting excited about the beer. But I want to back up to like a little bit more like growing up. And so I'm going to really just ask the question. When did you have your first beer? 
Oh, I mean, come on. Um, <laughs> this is going to sound really, really bad. Probably at a ridiculously young age. Like I said, there was a lot of substance abuse. Oh, yeah. I legitimately remember going and getting orange juice out of the refrigerator. And I couldn't figure out why it tasted bad. But it was because it was mostly vodka. Oh. And I'm talking like I'm five years old. Oh. And so I'm certain I had it pretty regularly. Uh it some way and that sounds really bad um but the first time i think i enjoyed well enjoyed drank a beer to have beer was probably i don't know call it prom junior year or something like yeah. that where mm-hmm. I, I mean i'd be out and about and hanging out with friends i didn't have a beer that i really liked until probably junior year of college i w- i went to the vogue in broad ripple <laughs> And you had it there? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so they had a uh, special on Tuesday nights. It was stand-up comedy, um, retro rewind. Oh, I remember. And yeah. uh, Sierra Nevada Pale Ale. And okay. So, yeah. And it was like $2 for a bottle of this like really awesome beer. So I had a buddy of mine and we'd hang out and we'd go there and drink Sierra Nevada. Wow. Okay. So I'll confess, you know, I feel like this is confession time. Uh-huh. <laughs> so my first beer was probably when I was in eighth or ninth grade, but I always quick to say it was legal. It was legal because I was living in Germany. My dad oh. was in the military. And yeah. if my parents are listening to this, they're going to be like, I knew it. <laughs> I knew you were drinking. Um, but well, I'm glad dr- you gave it up voluntarily because I was getting ready to ask you <laughs> where yours was. Right, right. right. Um, so yeah, so we had, you know, good German beer right. and, um, you know, that's yeah, back in the, back in the day. But then I went through the college age of, you know, Miller Lite and, oh. you know, the, ch- whatever the cheap, Ice house. I mean, come on. It was like whatever cube of beer you could buy and just kind of go out and party. Right. Whatever keg was on tap at a fraternity. I mean, I'm going to be honest. Yes. That's how I ran through college. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Not enjoying it. Just kind of enjoying the experience and being with, you know, people. Yeah. So I love that switch, though, where then you started to actually brew the beer. So talk about that, because I think that's a fascinating. I mean, Stevie and I were talking about it and we're like, okay, how you just did that, right? Yeah, pretty much. Um, We so I moved out uh, to Oregon with my then boyfriend, I guess, and we got married and we started traveling around Oregon and there were at least five breweries within walking distance of our house. Nice. And they're all microbreweries and really amazing people there. And so I loved hanging out. It was our living room going into these places. We didn't sit and watch TV. We hung out with people. And so I was like, man, these brewers are really happy. And then we had a trip over to Bend, uh, which is up in the high desert in Oregon. And I had this coconut stout and it blew my mind. I just was like, this is the best thing I've ever had. And so I asked if the brewer was there and they said, she's not here. And I was like, <gasps> whoa, hold up. It's yeah. not just white dudes with beards. Right. Like there's a, what? there's a girl. So I went to shut up for a while, uh, call it a three hour drive home. Uh, so Nick, my husband pulled over to a home brew shop on our way home. Really? Uh, picked up my first kit. That was a stovetop kit, uh, brewed a pale ale that was eh, not great. I could drink it. Um, and he said, never again. He's like, I can walk down the street, get better things, and I don't have to do this <laughs> And this ever is a lot of again. work. Yeah. <laughs> right. Which is super, like, what I loved about it. It was science, but you had to do a lot of thinking about it. And so mm-hmm. I kind of fell in love with the process. And I, I brewed a batch kind of out on the, the back steps of our house. And my husband and my parents were there. And they were like, this is the first time we've seen you smile. This is the first time you've actually been happy in a really long time. And I'm like, oh, God, I'm that bad. <laughs> um, but 
it was a moment just kind of clicked. And so I'm one of those people, if I'm going to do it, I want to know everything. So I started asking a lot of brewers. I went to school in Vermont at the American Brewers Guild. And then I started kind of apprenticing and working at breweries out in Oregon. And I just, I really loved it. And so then I was like, I think maybe we can do this. <laughs> what did your husband, I mean, was he all in? Oh yeah, he was totally in. He loved it. He did not like that I took over the kitchen the garage, the breezeway, um, <laughs> that I was constantly doing something. But he loved that I was happy and that I was really into doing something um, that would kind of change our lives a little bit or a lot, I guess. Yeah, that's awesome. So you kind of officially started brewing in 2014, right? Uh, it, for Scarlet Lane, yeah. Okay. Yep. Is that when Scarlet Lane, when yep. they, you launched the company? Scarlet okay. Lane started in 2014. Uh, we had decided we would start the brewery in Indiana. Uh, we were still living in Oregon. I was still finishing school in Vermont. And we were starting to scout locations here in Indiana. Um, oddly, <laughs> kind of funny, not then funny story is we bought all of our brew equipment and all the sizing for a location up in Fishers. Okay. Um, then we found out the person that we were going to get the property from did not own it. Oh, no. Oh. <laughs> so we had to scurry around and find somewhere new. And so driving in circles all throughout the outside of Indianapolis led us to McCordsville. And it's the perfect spot for us. Yeah, it is. I love Stevie it. and I are mm-hmm. east, on that east side. Well, and Jenny, too. Sorry, Jenny's our producer. <laughs> and so um, the three of us know the location and uh, know the space. So Stevie's up at Indian Lake. Uh-huh. And yeah. uh, Jenny and I are new pal gals. So we're quite familiar with quite the familiar. Course. Quite familiar. Well, talk about being a female head brewer and creating one of Indiana's first female-owned and brewed production breweries. What's it like being in a male-dominated industry like that? You've got to be sure of yourself and strong in what you're doing. Um, I often find that I had questions at the beginning if I could actually do this. Uh, and so we would... Well, not we. It was me. I would second guess. I'd want somebody else to come in. Maybe they should brew. Maybe I shouldn't be the head brewer. And then I just sat with myself and realized nobody is going to drive this company or care about it as much as I do. And I had a lot of guys around me that were really supportive, but I also looked around and I had a lot of naysayers, shall we say. Uh-huh. And it, it was uh, it was difficult to kick that off. But now we have really... Now I'm part of some really great groups like Pink Boots, um, which is a international group for professional brewers where it's women supporting women, making sure we can get educational opportunities or sometimes, and everybody laughs at this, but I'm like, sometimes I just need to know what's the hot new bra out there that's actually going to hold them down <laughs> while I'm leaning over in a tank. Oh, that's fantastic. And you can just the hot new bra, right? So I'm buying a lot of stuff from uh, Duluth right now. Okay. Their women's line is fantastic, especially their overalls. Go to Duluth. <laughs> They're going to go. get you taken care of. Yeah, that's too great. I love that your leadership team is 85% female. Yep. And uh, talk about that mission that you have to get other women involved in the brewing business. I mean, you're very, from the very beginning, right, you had female investors. Yes. And so has that always been part of what you wanted to do and what you plan on doing? So uh, at the beginning, it was kind of an accident. It was the people that were drawn to our business were women. And it's probably because I could speak to women 
and have that conversation of why this is important. I don't believe in over-sexualizing anything. I believe you can be feminine, wear that red lipstick, lead yourself in any way that you want to, but I don't think you need to have a pin-up sex toy in the corner of your room to sell your beer. And so I think when we were telling our story, explaining where these beers came from, from my heart, and what the marketing and the advertising would look like, women were naturally drawn to it because they wanted something that could speak to them but would be accessible by others. And so as I get in a position where I can hire more people and bring people in, I like that. I like that open-mindedness. I want other women to feel strong, to feel empowered, because it was really important to me once it clicked that this is my life now and I feel really good about where I am, but I can bring other women with me to feel that way as well. Well, you're certainly a trailblazer for other women to get into brewing. Was there somebody in town who was a female brewing already that kind of paved the way for you too? Uh, So what's funny is that beer I was talking about in Bend, Oregon, uh, that brewer is Tanya Cornett, and she is now the experimental head brewer at Ten Barrel Brewing. She's kind of a huge name, but she's from Indiana. She started out at Oaken Barrel, uh-huh. and she, she ended up in Oregon, and I ended up in Oregon, and then we were just shocked. You know, that's where we both were from, and somehow I was able to brew with her at Ten Barrel and make a specialty beer, and so she was really somebody for me to look up to. And here in Indianapolis, we have a lot of female brewers that are really great Uh Keely is fantastic. She is over at uh, Danny Boy, and mm-hmm. I just really appreciate her dedication. She's a little, a little uh, super particular. <laughs> I love you, Keely, and I know you love me. But yes, <laughs> she uh, she likes things a really certain way. And I also have great friendships. We've created this little group here. Um, we kind of call ourselves the lobs. It's the ladies of beer. So the owner of Taxman Brewing, uh, one of the owners from Blackacre Brewing and the leader of the national group, Girls Pine Out. Uh Um, And we all hang out a lot and we kind of rely on each other and kind of push each other forward or kind of hold each other when things are really tough or we don't know what we're doing. Yeah. And that branches out and a lot of women are kind of part of our going out nights. Well, uh, Stevie and I are more than uh, available to join the club and be your tasters if you need (laughs) or whatever you, you know, whatever you might need. And, uh, you know, just keep us in mind. (laughs) Well, and I want to know too, is this, so having more women in the industry, is this kind of a national trend? So um, women are becoming more and more prolific in brewing. We actually come from a history where the goddess of beer um, was Ninkasi. And she was the first creator of beer, and that's in Egyptian lore and kind of, well, not even lore, it's fact and history. Uh, Brewing was kind of taken away from women. Then we go into kind of the mid-ages. We see that women are again starting to brew uh, because they're the ones that are the, the gatherers as opposed to the hunters, so they know what the poison is. So they're the ones that can do this. However, that became a really crucial and key role. And so then it turns out those women are witches. And so they're over cauldrons. They're stirring things. And so, again, men kind of come up with these, like, theories on why these women are bad so they can control it again. You then also go into different times where women were the only ones by law that could brew because they were the only ones that wouldn't get people sick. A lot of times this is a lot of dedication to detail. You need to make sure everything's going to be healthy when so many people are drinking it. 
Fast forward, um, we come back in, we see the industrial revolution, and it's a mechanized system. And a lot of women are starting to stay home. Um, we're looking at post-World War II. And women are staying at home with their families. Men are able to go out there and kind of build these giant machines. We saw in the 80s uh, kind of a small resurgence. And now we're really seeing women come back. However, what we're seeing is, unfortunately, women uh, are represent 1% of the head brewers and owners of breweries in the entire country. Wait, did you say 1%? 1%. 1%. Yeah. So we've got a a long way to go. Come on, ladies. Get your beers out. Yeah. And so that's why we need everybody to hear she and everybody to feel like they can do this too. Yeah. I love that. I do too. So if if our listeners are out there and somebody, one of our listeners is like, God, you know, I'd love to get into brewing. What? How would you yeah, recommend that? Because yeah. we don't want them to go to Oregon. We want right. them to stay <laughs> right. here. But stay yeah, here. that's a great question. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so our company in particular, we offer. you can get on our website and you can send in. Uh, we have a special form that you fill out and say, hey, I'm thinking about starting a brewery. And we'll sit down and meet with you, um, kind of walk you through what happened with us. We'll tell you the right directions, who to talk to. We'll point you down at additional educational tracks. There are also, you know, a lot of great resources online. I'm a huge nerd, so I always want to read everything and have my hands on everything. And you've got to have that knowledge and that base to understand what you're doing. Because if you get into the marketplace and you don't know what you're talking about, especially as a woman, you're going to catch a lot of flack for that. Yeah, it's so true. I love that she says she's a nerd because I'm like, she's kind of badass. I'm like, really cool. She's like purple hair and got this like beer, you know, head CEO and head brewer of you know, know. A successful beer company here in Indianapolis. She's like, I'm a nerd. I am. Um, <laughs> I mean, all, all the names of our beers pretty much come from um, history or literature. And we're talking like Victorian um, or uh-huh. Romo, Roman Greco. So I am a huge nerd and I get inspired from there. So I live with books in my hands while my dogs are nipping at me. So <laughs> I love that, which I should say, shout out to all the nerds. I'm not a nerd hater. Right. <laughs> just, just before right. you like start emailing me and talking. I mean, I love all everybody. <laughs> I love everybody. Um, so you're quite successful, which which is fantastic. But you do have some haters and you've had some harsh criticism over yeah. the years. How do you overcome some of the negative and remain so positive? Yeah. It, so it, the outside of our brewery, um, there were a lot of weird comments that came in. Actually, they still come into this day. Um, a lot of them saying, well, the only reason that I have this company or I get notoriety is because I only have, you know, insert this female sex organ here kind of thing. And so I hear a lot of that. It's on Twitter. It's on Facebook. It's people creating weird drama where there's not uh, questioning if I can actually do the work, if I'm smart enough, if I work hard enough. And I I talk to other guys in the industry and I'm like, hey, how often do you get yelled at because you're wearing a V-neck shirt instead of a crew neck shirt? And they're like, what the hell are you talking about? Mm -hmm. And So I have to look at that and see that is probably somebody else's issue, their perspective. Maybe they're down. They're having issues. Maybe it's just ignorance or intolerance. And maybe we can help them see, hey, we're out here. There are women doing this job, and we can do it well. And then you have this entire industry, and a lot of people experience this, but it's based on ratings. You know, we have Untapped, we have Yelp, we have Facebook, and it's uh, constantly, you know, one star, you know, I hate coconut, Dorian coconut. What the hell? If you don't like coconut, <laughs> don't, don't drink, drink Dorian coconut. coconut right, you know? right. But, it's in the name, people. <laughs> yeah. Like, there are things like that. But then there are other ones where it's just drain pour or, you know, 
just really strange things about, you know, staff members or something. And it's hard not to look at that rating and say, okay, so I'm only a one star too, and evaluate your self-worth. Don't do that. It's hard to dig out sometimes, but you've got to realize there's so much more to you than what the people are saying online. Yeah. And also don't just fall trapped to the nice things that are being said. There are times where maybe that beer does suck. Yeah. You are right, sir. I made a mistake. Or the system that you are drinking off of is terrible. Totally understand. Let's fix that or let's make it better. But guess what? I'm not one star and I don't have to suck because that one beer did. Right. And well, you mentioned your staff. I I think it's so cool because you recently created an kind of an equity officer within your staff. Talk yes. about that. Yeah. So we saw that we were working. Um, we were working with a lot of female-led groups, um, and then we need to bring in more women into the brewery and be able to have uh, communication, internships, uh, meetups, things like that, where it didn't have to just be about the science of beer. But it needed to be understanding of what's going on and making sure that we're not just focusing on one side of the table. We're also seeing right now equity is a huge thing across the entire board where racial, sex, um, LGBTQ issues. So we need to be proactive and learn about those mm-hmm. and maybe make some changes instead of being just reactive and saying, oh, God, no, I, I swear we do things right or we care. It's we really do care. So let's work on it in a very proactive way. Mm-hmm. I love that you're not just checking boxes. No, we we make those boxes. <laughs> oh, I love that. We make the boxes. <laughs> yes, she does. That's awesome. I love lists. what are you most proud of over everything that you've done over the years and accomplished that's it so what I'm most proud of is kind of the work that we've been able to do creating our communities um there's a lot of personal growth that I've had to do to be able to to talk to people and not kind of look at them and run away and be afraid. A lot of see- people see that I'm an extrovert. I'm not. I'm an introvert that can act like an extrovert if I need to. Um, and I see that a lot in the communities and the neighborhoods that we work in. A lot of people might need some kind of company or some kind of care. And by care, I just mean somebody being there for them. And so we now have groups of people that are best friends because they met at a tap room or their dogs were playing there or something like Was that. Was that you, Stevie? Well, I do take my dog. Yes. <laughs> yes. We are dog friendly are up dog in McCordsville. Friendly. Yes. Always. Um, She's got a hundred of them. I mean, not really, but. I would have. She would have. I know. I probably would too. It's bad. Kirsch is like, no, she won't. <laughs> yeah. My husband's uh, calling, pulling me back on another dog right now too. But it's, it's seeing that we're creating these groups and then also being able to work nationally with other women and other breweries, just finding a way to be out there and be there for somebody else and kind of grow all these different communities and make everybody feel like they're welcome and we can make everything a little bit better. Yeah. Well, we're still in, uh, you know, a new year, right? Yes. So what are your goals? What do you see for Scarlet Lane Brewing and 2021? Uh, So our goals in 2021 are, one, um, let's figure out how to continue to roll with the times. Mm -hmm. Uh, You've got to be really flexible. I think that's any entrepreneur has to be flexible. But I think right now it's it's bad out there. Um, I mean, people are losing their jobs. Our entertainment industry, hospitality industry are hit the worst. We can't have a lot of people inside. We've got to find different ways to be able to interact and still be there for everyone. And so we really are focusing on that. We want to do some more um, outreach where we had 
events planned, that we are going to do educational events, working with some different women. We're finding some new ways that we can do that and reach out some, to some universities, do some online things, so that we can also kind of remind them, hey, STEM's really important. Or if it's not brewing specific, there's a lot of management opportunities. You can continue to work in this area, even if you don't want to be sweatball me in the corner. Mm-hmm. So we want to continue that outreach. And then we want to continue to build on our brand and let people who know who we are. Our tagline's we're different. The reason we're different is because so many people feel left out. Nobody should feel left out. They should all feel like you are being built upon and you're, you're great because of who you are. And so we want to bring people together and continue to do that with some funky beers and some classic hard stouts and really just have a good time and celebrate differences. Uh, you touch on something, uh, obviously, with COVID and how hard it is for the industry. Is there anything that we can do to support you if our listeners, I mean, obviously drink beer, drink beer. Uh, <laughs> and support you, but what, what is what do you need? Uh, so, hey, the best thing you can do uh, when you're somewhere, ask for Scarlet Lane if you do go out. Go into our tap rooms, pick up some carry out. We have a great team. Uh, we have our head chef, Erin Kim. She's brilliant. Uh, so we have two restaurants. We have our 17th in uh, Bellefontaine and that is kind of our gastro pub. It's very fun, quirky. She comes up with a lot of different ideas. 46 in college. We have a, um, kind of an Asian inspired kind of pub menu and pick up some food, pick up some beer. But really what you can do to help like all of our staff is just take a minute. If you're going to leave a review, say something nice to them. They're mm-hmm. nice people. They're good people. And they're going through a hard time. Those tips are gone or next to nothing, you know. So even just saying, hey, thank you for your time in here because they're putting their health on the line to be in there. Make sure you're kind to them. Don't don't yell at them for what's going on in the world. It is not their fault. Right. And that yeah. makes all of us feel better. It's true. And that's such a great point for any uh, and all of our listeners. So, you know, we think we're worldwide with Badassery Live. And we are. So, and we are. We're, you know, millions <laughs> of listeners right there. But uh, for uh, anybody listening who's not in the area and unfortunately can't experience and enjoy uh, Scarlet Lane beers, just keep that in mind for your own um, communities yeah. as well, too. Absolutely. So, Elise, Kelly and I think that all women have these incredible gifts and you're not short on your own gifts, but what do you think your best gift is and how do you like to share it with the world? Uh, so I think what is really important is, is knowledge. And I keep saying knowledge and education. I don't think that means necessarily a traditional tract of e- education where I'm saying you have to go to college, you have to go to technical school. I think education is talking to people. I think it's reading. I think it's spending time and understanding someone's story. If that's a business, if that's a personal journey, a lot of things can be learned from that, whether it's just kind of how to be a better person or learn how to start a brewery for yourself or, you know, work on making sure you have different positions in the company that you're going to have a lot of different people that are going to be there in your company and you know how to reach out to all of them and support them. Here, here. I agree. <laughs> and I honestly, Elise, I think we've met maybe briefly once, but I think that we are... Um, parallel we're we're sisters somehow we'll we'll figure that out later (laughs) right (laughs) well and I think we're all about empowering other women that's one of my favorite um you know sayings is empowering women empower women and love that you're doing that with every bit of your being both from a personal but also professional so um thank you for that is there anything that we didn't ask or anything you want to add and I need to make sure we need to get your um you know 
website and social and all that stuff. So give that shout out too. Yep. Uh, So I'll just jump off with that. So everything online, whether it's Instagram, Facebook, or on our uh, web services, it's scarletlanebrew.com. We -hmm. made it really simple for you. Um, We also, we don't do in-house, we don't sell like t-shirts and mugs and things at our location. It's all online. So you can customize it for yourself. So you can go online and pick those up too. And then also just, you know, there are ways to chat with other people on there and kind of learn a lot and find different ways to kind of be part of the Scarlet Lane crew um, and and really enjoy it. I think parting wise, the most important thing that uh, we left out is uh, drink beer, you know, (laughs) right? We we didn't say that enough. Like, dang it. (laughs) We should say that every time. I'm happy to take that advice. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I I agree. Drink good beer and have really great food and Talk to your friends and neighbors. Mm-hmm. And support the industry, support the restaurant and hospitality Support industry. local. Yeah. I mean, really support local. A lot of our beers, uh, we work with local providers, whether it's honey, working on um, talking to people about the sustainability of bees. So we work with local farmers like RJ's Honey, uh, McClure's up in Peru, Indiana, Always kind of talking about that, which I think is important. We work with Tinker Coffee, uh, the roasters that are downtown. They're a group of really great people that are really like-minded. So we try to do as much local as possible, and I really encourage people to do that as well. So drink beer, shop local, but don't drive. Don't shop. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. drink. Right. Drink, yes. <laughs> All right. Well, Elise, thank you so much for being here with us today and for sharing a part of your story and definitely uh, introducing us a little bit more to the work that you're doing and um, everything that you're doing with Scarlet Lane Brewing Company. Your story is definitely one that made us stop and say she's badass. That's right. Thank you. I appreciate both of you doing this. This is a really great podcast and it really reaches out to some people that kind of need a little bit of an extra boost sometime. I feel really good when I listen. Oh, thank you. Thanks. Yeah, and thanks to all of you badasses out there listening. We'd love to hear what you think. Write us a review or shoot us a message at badasserylife at gmail.com. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Instagram. A shout out to Kevin McLeod for our podcast music and our badass producer, Jenny Duran. A shout out to CICF, Central Indiana Community Foundation, as well for allowing us to use their space for this podcast. And also thanks to them for everything that they do for our community. Until next time, keep being your badass self.